calls you to want to take this and now go into the book yourself. Now that you have an overview and begin to go into the book yourself and begin to read. And, uh, and I hope the biggest thing that you've received from this is that, uh, is that Christ wins. Christ wins in every page of this book. This revelation is showing us one great thing, and that's that Jesus Christ is the victor. And that's what we're looking at today, the reign and judgment of the king in victory. The reign and judgment of the king in victory. And one of the things we opened up in the very first chapter when we started reading this book in Revelation, I think it's verse 3, it tells us that there's a blessing to anyone that reads this book and stays in this book. And the reason I believe that is, is because of that very thing. One of the greatest things that you're going to find out in this is that a blessing comes from knowing his work. It comes from knowing his death, burial, resurrection, and everything that was accomplished. Then he ascended Raymond on high and he led captivity. He gave gifts unto men. He became the king of kings and lord of lords, exalted above every name that has ever been named. But So, so we receive a blessing in, from his work and that goes on in our life every day. That's not just waiting to come one day when he comes to receive us again. That that blessing is going on in my life today as I stand in a place of knowing the work of Jesus Christ. It is transforming my life as I stay aware of that, that of what he's accomplished and what he's done. He is doing, his work is being completed in me every single day. But not only is the work of Jesus uh, something that we stand and see this great blessing from, but also the fact that we said that Jesus wins all the way through this. Jesus wins. He wins every defeated foe. Everybody who's come against him, we see them that's come against the work of Christ, that's come against Jesus Christ. We see that every, every, every battle, every battle that we just sang about uh, is his and it belongs to him and he defeats every foe. He defeats everybody that comes against the work of God, the plan of God, the purpose of God. Nobody's going to stop our God. Nobody's going to stop our God. Nothing can stand against the power of our Christ. And when we recognize that, we begin to know that not only is the work of God accomplished and it's working in my life now, but as I see the victory of Christ, that also is changing and working something in my life. Because even though we're going through valleys and we're going through difficult times, just like Brenda testified to, the thing that keeps us going is the fact, hey, our God wins. We may, be in the, we may have gone through the valley today, but we can come out of the valley because we know we're going to come out of this place and we're going to be standing on a solid rock. We're, not gonna, we're, we're always standing on a solid rock and we're never, never going down. So the, uh, we know that that's happening. So, so one thing that we, we, we discover in this idea of blessing is that Jesus is making all, all right in the universe. I mean, he's making all right. Everything is going to be right again and, uh, and that he wins. So let's pray real quick. Father, we love you. We thank you, God, for this wonderful time of worship, God. There's so many people, that uh, God, that want to be here today that can't be here today. And God, we just lift them up to you. God, we just ask you to bless them. We ask you to touch their bodies. We ask you to bring healing, those that are traveling, keep them uh, safe. And Lord, uh, we just pray, God, pray for those that are just uh, couldn't get up this morning because of depression or, or, or whatever, loneliness or whatever, God. Give them courage to keep going. Give them courage to come back and fellowship with the body of Christ. They need the fellowship of the brethren and, and of sisters, God. So please, God, encourage folks to get off, uh, God, the couch. I'm grateful they're watching today. Some absolutely can't be here, but God, others that can be, please, Lord, let them get together in a fellowship of believers, God, where they can find strength and God, where they can give something to the body of Christ as well, Lord. We need them. And so, Lord, bless this time that we have together in the Word. Transform and change our lives. We're not just here out of obligation. We're not just here because uh, for some religious duty, God. I believe, God, these words are spirit and they are life. I believe the presence of the Holy Spirit is here, and God, that you are going to do something miraculous, God, as your word is preached today, and God, that you're going to change me. I'm expecting to be changed and transformed, God, and I pray that people online and people here will be as well, and we just pray these things in the mighty, mighty name of Jesus. So we come together, we, we gather today because we know the work of God is complete, and we know he has, he has, uh, he has accomplished so much through his death, burial, and re resurrection. We know that he even now is, is accomplishing 
all the work that God has put into place. He is bringing that to a, a final end that we're almost to, where we're seeing the whole plan of God that's gone through and it's being finished and completed. And He wins at the end. That's the great news. And that's a blessing that we receive in knowing that Jesus wins and it is His victory and that we are part of that victory. And that's why pulling back this book is so important that we sometimes we get bogged down in the minutia, we get bogged down in the little details, but you want to see the overarching theme of this book, and that's that Jesus Christ finishes the work of God, and we win, and we stand victorious, and He stands victorious, and so that ought to affect the way that we live, and so Revelation is an encounter with Jesus Christ. We are coming into encountering the Christ and who He really is. God, John has given us a revelation of this Christ, and, and, and we are seeing Him in a way that we have never known and because of that there's implications for that he calls us to live as faithful people knowing that and and become and remain faithful to him to come out from among this world and to be separate and to give our lives uh, to him and to put our faith and our trust in him and when we do that uh, we're going to find out it has great rewards for all those who think man uh, I, I hope I haven't wasted my life uh, man I hope uh, I hope this has been worth it. Hang on. It's worth it. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I'm telling you, you're coming to a place where we're going to see it is absolutely worth being faithful to him. It is not worth going after the prostitute. It is not worth getting to a point to serve self and to serve mankind. It's not worth getting to a place where you try to save yourself and your own hide and your own skin and to have just a few minutes of comfort rather than an eternal comfort. So you want to go the full distance. You want to go all the way, and that's what I hope that you've seen every week in this, and you see one more week next week, that we win. We win. We win. And I can't say that enough. We win. Hang on. I know it looks like that. Every, I know it looks like the beast is rising. I know it looks like political powers are winning. I know that it looks like all sorts of things that are taking place, like the, 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 the prostitute that is riding on the beast right now is alluring our sons and daughters away to other religions, alluring people away to self, alluring people away to just, just give up and, and, and to abandon the faith. We're seeing apostasy at all kinds of levels. But hold on. Hold on. I'm telling you, there is an end to this evil. There's an end to this wicked work. And Jesus Christ is going to deal with the beast. He's going to deal with the false prophet. He's going to deal with, uh, with the prostitute. He's going to deal with all of these things, the unbelievers. And he's going to put an end to all evil. And we saw how the one who is worthy opened up the seals and began to unleash uh, the, the, the judgment of God on this earth. And he opened the scroll. No one was worthy to open the scroll at the beginning of this thing, but Jesus is worthy. And he takes the scroll and he unleashes it. And we saw how mankind and, 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 and begins to be affected when these things are unleashed. And then we saw at the end of the seventh seal, we see that these uh, trumpets that begin to be blasted. And we see the trumpets... And at the end of the seventh, and, and these, these are, God is not a crazy man. God is not out of control. God has controlled wrath. He has controlled anger. He knows exactly what he's doing. He is not punching the wall. He's not kicking the dog. He's not screaming. It is absolutely planned out. It is absolutely purposed. It is absolutely in control. It's a third, then it's a fourth, and then it's, and then it's all. We see at the end of the seven trumpets, we see that he comes with these seven bold judgments, and that's the complete and final wrath of God. Well, we're going to see today that there are still, Daniel, three loose ends that he's got to tie up. There's still, Jesus, he doesn't leave anything undone. And so today, Nick, he's going to tie up these three loose ends of what have got to be tied up in order to bring in this, this new heaven and new earth that we're going to find out about next week. It's going to be glorious. But there's one last thing, a couple of last things. This is so um, precise, his plan, so perfect, his plan. And so today we're going to see that, that he's going to, he, he's going to cause all of his plan to come together. And he reigns in this new heaven and in, in this new earth. And, and we're going to see that even, even before that, he reigns for a thousand years, as we're going to see today. And there's going to be a time and a place where literally no evil exists. 
What a day that will be, man, where no evil. Can you imagine a world, a world where no more evil is? Can you imagine a world where there is no more Satan? There is no more evil government. There is no more oppression. There is no more injustice. There is no more uh, wickedness. There is no more death and mourning and sorrow. There is no more cancer. There is no more visiting someone at their bedside who's about to check out of this life. No, there, there are no more of those things because there is a world where... That Jesus has promised where he's going to deal with all the wicked. And you say, well, then why won't he do away with sin now? Well, in order to do away with sin now, he has to do away with the sinner. So you might not want to hope that too quick. Because that may be some of you in this room. Because in order to have a world with no sin, you have to have no sinners. And so he has to have be taken care of that. So maybe God is so long-suffering and maybe you're seeing the grace of God in such a measure that you can't hardly fathom because he desires that you go into this new heaven and earth where the righteous dwell and where he's caused a new creation to be born and where there is no more wickedness in this city. And so he's taking care of that and that's what we see him trying to do in this place. And so all those mockers like Peter talks about where they begin to scoff and Where's the promise of his coming? And they're calling it down on their own head. They don't even know what they're doing because when he comes down in that world and the people that don't know Christ and have not received Christ, it's a doomsday on them. Every day that he allows you to breathe another breath in your lungs is a good day on this side. And it is the love of God, it is the mercy of God, and it is the grace of God that he is, he is extending grace upon grace upon grace upon grace right now to you. But now we live in a world of hurt and suffering. But we must not lose our heads while we're in this world. And people are losing their heads because you can see how many empty pews there are in churches. And you can see how no more people tuning in to the Word of God because, uh, because uh, just, just we've decided for whatever reason we're angry at the condition of the world. Especially in America where we don't like to be uncomfortable. And where we like to control everything. And where we like to be the head and not the tail. And all of those things. And now our worlds have been turned upside down. And we realize uh, so many things are happening, but we cannot lose our heads in this end time when all of these things are taking place, with people dying, with people getting sick, when money falls apart and all of the nations fall apart. We must not lose our heads and we must understand that our treasure is not on this earth, that your dollar is going to fall one day, that the yen may fall one day, that all of these places, your 401k may fall one day, that your bitcoin may fall one day, that heaven and earth may pass away but folks there is a treasure in heaven where nothing can touch it that's where you want to store up that's where you want to store up wealth that's where you want to store up treasure that's where you want to store up provision that's what cannot be touched amen so you store up treasure in heaven right now amen not on this earth like we've tried to do for so so long and now we're watching it disappear and we're going to watch it erode and we're going to watch it be destroyed in these last days. And so what the book of Revelation is calling us to do is to stay on target. I don't watch it. I never liked it. I'm sorry. This will be like, I'll probably hate mail. But but uh, I never, for some reason, all you Star Wars fans, I just didn't get it. I'm sorry. But but I know there was a scene in one of the first ones. They said, stay on target. Stay on target. And the reason they said stay on target is because everything outside of that around them was going ballistic and nuts and was being blown apart. And you've got to stay on target now in this last day. you got to keep your eyes on the prize on Jesus Christ because everything around you is blowing up. And John is constantly writing here, stay on target, stay on target, stay on target, body of Christ. Stay on target, Brookside Church of God. Don't abandon the faith. Don't apostatize. Don't stop church. Don't stop reading the Word of God. Don't stop praying. It works. Keep going. Stay on on target. Amen. Because we finally enter into a kingdom as we're going to see today that is safe and secure. 
That's what Jesus is accomplishing for us. He is bringing in a kingdom that is safe and secure for all of us. He's cleansing everything that is evil. That's what you've been watching over the last several months. He is taking care of ridding the earth of all evil. He's going to redo this earth and He's going to redo the heavens that have been tainted by the wickedness of mankind, folks. Do you understand what evil is that all of you that want to blame God? No, we created it. It's the absence of good. God gave us free will. He gave us a choice to do good. And when you choose not to do good, when you back off of good, evil is allowed to come in. It ain't God that's the one that did this. It's you, friend, standing in the need of prayer. It's me. It's me. We caused this mess. We caused this disaster with our absence of good. It allowed evil to come in and take over this world in a way like we've never seen with serial killers and rapists and pedophiles and murderers and all kinds of wickedness and evil and false religions and all kinds of things to spread over the earth. It's a result of our choosing. We had life and death set before us, but we chose not to do good. And when you back off of good, just like on 9 11 those people had a they could have stayed in that plane and they could have chosen to do good they could have chosen not to ram that thing into the into a building and kill all kinds of people but they chose not to do good and they created evil in that moment and destroyed buildings and destroyed lives and that's what they did and Jesus Christ has come to set us free from that and to love us and even give us a way into the eternal life with him and to recreate us into a place where we can be free from even that. Amen? Amen. So he's cleansing the world of all that's evil and we've seen this and three things yet remain that he's kind of got to wrap and tie up the bow so to say today before we can have that. And here we start with the first thing. The binding of Satan. Look at what he says in this verse. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven. Man, the sovereignty of God is unbelievable. I mean, if you can't sing, oh, praise His name of the Lord our God. I mean, you can't praise somebody that has the power to come down and take the most God-awful being on the planet and, and it's like nothing for him to send an angel down and just to grab him by the nap of his neck and tie a chain around his neck and put him into a bottomless pit. He has that kind of power and that kind of control and I can loose him whenever I want to and I can chain him up whenever I want to. He is not, it's not this yin and yang, there's this equal good and this equal bad. Oh no, my friend, God is in control. God is in control. And when he wants to do away with the evil, on this planet and he's already told the prescribed day, time, hour when he will do it. And in this hour, he's decided I'm going to come down at a certain point in the future and I've got the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain and he sees the dragon, that ancient serpent who is the devil and Satan and bound him for a thousand years and threw him into a pit or an abyss and shut it and sealed it over him so that he might not deceive the nation Who's deceived the nation? Is it God's fault? No. This old slew foot, the devil's been out there deceiving the nations. We saw it happen in Revelation 12 where God cast him out, gave him authority to go down and deceive the nations and do what he wanted to do to roam the earth free. He has the power to roam the earth and that's what he's doing right now, Joe. Roaming the earth, messing with you, messing with you, messing with your family, messing with your children, messing with you people online, telling you there's no need for God. No need to church. No need to serve yourself. Do what you want to do. Have pleasure for you and don't worry about anything. But finally he throws him into a pit, shuts it up and seals it over him so that he might not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were ended. And after that he must be released for a while. 
So this first bow he ties up about dealing with evil. We have to come to a, he's done all these, these judgments, but he's got to take care of three more things here that he's got to tie up. He's tying up things perfectly for us. And this is how he's going to deal with evil. He's going to take Satan and he's going to take this one and he's going to bind him with chains. He's going to throw him into a bottomless pit. As I said in Revelation 12, he was set free. He's been roaming the earth. He's been deceiving. Now he's pulled back so he can't deceive any longer. He's gone to a place that I believe is a place that's referenced in 2 Peter 2. It's a place called Tartarus. It's a place, a prison for demons that is mentioned. It's a place where seven times we see demons in this abyss in the book of Revelation that come out of this pit or this abyss. And for if God did not spare the angels when they sinned but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment. There are some angels that are in this place right now and they don't like it there. You remember when the Bible says that Jesus went and he healed the demoniac and the, 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 the demons came out of him and said, don't send us there. Don't send us there anywhere but that place of agony and torment. Send us into the swine and we'll just fill them up and continue to do our thing. And Jesus did that. They went down the hill, ran into the, uh, the lake and they all drowned there. Because there is a place that God has where he, he at, at his beckoning, there are, there are demonic spirits that are all over this earth, but there are some that are already in chains. They're already reserved for blackest darkness. And we see that at some point in the future that God is going to take Satan and he is going to open up this abyss and he is going to chain this man, this dude up, this angel, once angel, and he's going to put him inside that pit and he's going to put a seal over it, the Bible says, and he can't roam or do what he does for a thousand years, it says. Hallelujah. And during that time, Jesus reigns on earth. Now, what is that going to be like? No, Jesus is going to reign on earth. And listen to what it says. Look at what John looks down on the earth. I mean, can you imagine? Jesus is fully reigning on earth, and it is unbelievable. My mind can't even hardly fathom what's going to happen as people live longer, as, as there's no sicknesses going on because of uh, just, just uh, it's just going to be unbelievable. People are not dying like they die now. And, and, and just so many things are going to be taking place that is so different from what we're living in now. Listen at two groups of people that, he, that John looks down at this time and mentions it. And, and you're one of them Revel if you're a believer. Revelation 20 and 4. Then I saw thrones and seated on them were those whom had the authority to judge was committed to them. Believers one day will be judging in this new, in this millennial reign, we'll be judging alongside Jesus, the Bible says. Uh, and then he adds a second group here that it says, Also I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received the mark in their foreheads or their hand. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. You do want to be a part of the first resurrection, I promise you. <clears throat> so you see, you have the believers alongside Jesus that are judging. You have these martyrs that have died uh, because of the Antichrist and that have been beheaded for their faith. And they all of a sudden come to life and reign. But you have unbelievers who are already dead. And he says, hold on. Hold on, and we're going to see another Lucian tied up when we get down to them. But just, just wait for a minute. So there's a group that will not be there that is awaiting the judgment seat of God. Look at, here's the key to this verse. Look at what Revelation 20 and 6 says. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power. Come on. 
That's good news. That is very good news. So here's what our role will be, it goes on to say. But they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with Him for a thousand years. In other words, what is a priest? Is what we were always designed to be. A priest is a go-between. A priest is one who has full access to the throne room of God. A priest, he's going to bring us back to the way that it was intended to be, and now we're going to come and we're going to worship Him, and we're going to serve among the people at this time, teaching them the things and the ways of God. Man, won't that be absolutely phenomenal? Those that are on this earth, there's going to be government. Some of you might be ruling over cities. There will be governments that will be set up under King Jesus. And there will be people in that perfect government. Can you imagine? All you that hate government, you don't even want to talk about government. There will be government. And it will be amazing. It will be ran perfectly at that time. What about the religious system? All you that are sick of the religious system today. Guess what? There's going to be a perfect religious system. King Jesus is over the government and King Jesus is over the religious system and we are ruling and reigning in this perfect world with Him. We are teaching people. We are ruling. We are ruling over the earth and my goodness I want to be there and I want you to be there. It's a perfect place. It's an amazing place. And we ain't even got to the new heaven and earth. This is just what they came in Acts 1 and began to ask about. Here's what they did. Do you remember? you remember the, 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 the disciples, what they came to him? And they said, Lord, they got it together. And they've been Old Testament and the Jews. And they come in and they're thinking, man, surely this is it. We've heard about the Messiah. The prophets told us about him coming. Surely at this time, he's going to restore Israel. And so they asked that question. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Are you going to establish this? This is what we're expecting. We're expecting the Messiah is going to come and reign. And, 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 and here's what we get today. We get uh, all these schools of thoughts. There's schools of thoughts that some say this is happening now and there won't be a literal thousand year reign uh, in the future that, that Jesus is actually ruling in heaven now uh, during this time and bringing his rule to earth now uh, through missions and the church and that that sort of thing. But then there's a future group and that's where I fall. I believe that one day Jesus, soon and very soon, He's going to come back, folks, and He is going to rule with a rod of iron, man. He is going to come back and He is going to sit actually in Jerusalem and establish and rule and reign from that place. And it's going to be a glorious time like we've never, never have ever seen on planet earth. And it's going to be as it should and as it was expected to be from the very beginning. Let me show you some reasons why. Again, I think it's a future reign. Listen to what Isaiah 2, 2 says about this reign. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be a established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nations of the world during this time will flood to this place where Jesus rules and reigns from. Oh man, church will be glorious as the nations of the world come into the capital of the world and they worship the king of the world, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. What a day, what a blessing, what a miracle that will be. Everything will point to Jerusalem. Everything will point to that place, folks. It won't be Washington. It won't be Moscow. It won't be Rome. It won't be the UN. Everything will point to the mountain of the Lord and we will go up to Jerusalem, to that glorious city the Bible tells us in the future. And listen to what another characteristic is in verse 6. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat and the calf and the lion and the fatted calf together and a little child will lead them and the cow and the bear shall graze and their young shall lie down together and the lion shall eat the straw like the ox and the nursing child shall play over the hole of a cobra and the weaned child shall put his hand in the adder's den what a day that will be I may have to watch a child do it first before I do it but I'm going to tell you what it's going to be an amazing day when all the kids 
kingdom of the world is under the rule of Jesus and it's back like it should be and the evil is gone at this point through Satan he's banished and all of a sudden even the kingdom and even the animals come under the right rule and the right reign and the right authority and we've got all these ferocious animals now that are gentle as little lambs it's going to be an awesome 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 time it's going to be an awesome day and I don't even know what it's going to be like it's just going to be absolutely phenomenal it's going to be a day when your kid comes up and they say can daddy can we go out to play and you say man yeah have at it have at it run on out there with all the animals run on out there there's nothing out there to hurt you there's nobody to snatch you up and throw you in the car there's no animal that's going to attack you or going to get you go children run free do whatever you want because king jesus has a city where it is absolutely phenomenal amen Perfect scenario. However, what is humanity going to do with this? I'm going to bust your bubble a little bit about how great you think we are. Go ahead. Because I'm going to keep drilling that till you think he's great. He's great. He's great. And when the thousand years are ended, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out. He's got another bow to tie up here and to show us something about evil. And he will come out and release from prison and he will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them. There's a battle in Ezekiel that talks about Gog and Magog. There's a battle here that talks about Gog and Magog to gather them for the battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea. They marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. But fire came down from heaven and consumed them. The perfect scenario right here. This is the final rebellion of humanity and Satan. This is what Jesus is doing. He is, he is bringing the plan of God perfect. And He is dealing with evil perfectly. He is going to rid the world of evil. And He is going to bring in a new heaven and new earth. But He's got a couple of things He's got to deal with in this last few moments. A couple of bows He's got to tie up. He takes Satan. He binds him up for a thousand years. He rules and reigns. We teach, we are kings, we are priests, we rule with him. But at the end of the thousand years, he releases Satan. And what does Satan do? He goes out and deceives the nations again and begins to draw them together again from a battle against God and God's people. And even in a perfect scenario, human beings reject God. So don't tell me, well, it's my mama's fault. Well, it's my daddy's fault that I don't serve God. Well, it's that preacher's fault who's so mean down there at the church and hurt me. Well, it's that, that person's fault or it's that person's fault or it's even Satan's fault. No, because you just had a perfect world where you saw perfection at its height. You just saw King Jesus reigning and ruling perfectly. And all of a sudden now, you, the Bible says, there is none, no, there is none righteous. No, not one. God's got to deal with one final loose end. Humanity, you think you're all that, but you, apart from me, you are sinners. And you reject me. Lucifer fell in a perfect environment. It was perfect. Adam and Eve had a perfect environment. And still they rebelled. It will not matter if you had the most perfect world on the face of the universe. It, the Bible says that there is no none not righteous, no not one, and all of the here, even in a perfect scenario, God's going to show humanity that they still stand guilty in front of Him. You're guilty. You're guilty. You're guilty. And buddy, we hate that today. Oh, especially in America where we get rights on everything. I got a right to leave that church. I don't need some pastor telling me that. Oh, we hate it. 
Because we're all into self and self, self-help and self-esteem. And you hurt my child's ego. And you, they, their little self-worth is so low. Good! Maybe they'll find worth in God. Because you're never going to find worth in yourself. Quit looking there. You're going to find it in God. We all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous. No, not one. If there's anything good in you, it's because you repented of your sins. You confessed that you had fallen short of the glory of God. The Holy Spirit came into your life, took out the old heart, put in a new heart, a new mind, and a new spirit. And everything that has been good inside of you since then is because of one thing. It's because of Christ and Christ alone and I dare you to stand there on that day and steal any glory from him no flesh will glory in the presence of our God none All humanity, we find out here, he's going to prove, stands guilty in front of him. And there is not one righteous, no, not one. They have a ruler, King Jesus, inside a perfect religious system. They have a perfect religious system. They have a perfect political system. And even if you put humanity in that environment, in the perfect scenario, it's still in our predisposition, still in our nature, which we inherited from our father Adam to fall short of the glory of God. It's still in our nature to reject God. And here is God tying up one last thing about wickedness. He's showing the human race that even if I put you in a perfect environment, that you're still guilty. That you still need salvation. That you still need the blood of my Son to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That you still need the power of the Holy Spirit to cause you to be born again. That you still need to become a new creation in Jesus Christ and have old things passed away and all things become new. That you still have to have salvation by grace through faith. And not of yourself. It is a gift of God lest any man should boast about it. Amen? And so he's going to show one more time that all humanity will remain silent before him. That all humanity, that their mouths are stopped and they're they're, they're guilty before God. That Satan is bound, humanity stands there guilty. And then one more tying up of a loose end that's awesome. Revelation 20 and 10. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown down into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were. And they will be tormented day and night forever and forever and forever. So we see all through Scripture and especially in the book of Revelation, our God has prepared a place for the devil and his angels. And finally, we see the fulfillment of this coming to an end where he's allowed this one to roam. He's allowed this one to deceive. He's allowed this one to go through the earth and do what he does. And all of a sudden now, he finally comes to a day where he's going to deal with him. And he has a place that he has literally prepared for him. The Bible says that he is going to place him in that finally he placed him in that temporary place but he's already now taken the false prophet and the beast and he's throwing them into this place and he's already taken uh, the, the, the prostitute and he's already taken sin and he's already taken death and he's already taken Hades and now there's one final person he's got to take or besides a few others that I'm going to show you in a minute but there's one final guy there that's been causing all this evil and he's going to take Satan and he's going to throw him in there with all of the other and Satan basically bite the dust you're done you're done you're done it's over your reign is over it's done and 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 basically God is saying you are guilty and as the smoke of this place comes up as the torment the reason I know he's guilty because it says he will be in torment there and uh, and, and so as the smoke comes up to God uh, day and night forever and ever it just shows a testimony of the justice of God it shows a testimony of the truth of God it shows a testimony of the righteousness of God and when God smells that and it comes 
up from that pit, he will be reminded how just he is and how he defeated every enemy that ever came against him. He's never lost a battle. You have never lost. So that so so quit. Oh, that you all you can sing that song. It's truth. You've never lost a battle. False prophet. Boom. Come on. Beast. Boom. Prostitute. Boom. Satan. Boom, bite the dust like Carmen used to say. I mean, he, he is taking care of every enemy that ever comes against him. They're done for. The, the, it's his battle. And he's dealing with them and he's ridden the world of it. And we're going to come into a place that is absolutely phenomenal next week of this new heaven and new earth where it never enters in again. So Satan here receives the punishment that is owed him and, and it's going to go on forever and ever and ever as a testimony of God's justice. So we see that he binds him. He shows humanity that, hey, even in a perfect scenario and world, all those that made it through and are living in the tribulation, they're having babies, they're doing all these things, they come through, they're populating the earth because there's going to be a lot of population growth when we come and start having babies that are, that are breast, uh, at the breast sucking and then they're weaned off and they're playing in those holes with those adders and those cobras. We're going to have a lot of people being populated in the earth. We're going to have a lot of us that have been, that are now uh, come into the kingdom and we're priest unto God and we're serving and we're, we're ruling over cities and we're teaching them the ways and the things of God. And then when Satan comes back out, he's going to deceive many of them and they're, they're going to come back out against God and he's going to show them because during this time, they've got to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ just like you came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, just like you were tested. They have to be tested. And so all of this happens for a reason and it's to show them hey even in this perfect environment where you think you're moralist and where you think everything is right trust me your flesh if you're not careful you got Adam's flesh and it will fall and so he shows them that one more time to those who need to be shown and and then the Bible says he takes this Satan and he puts him into hell forever and then all of a sudden we got to see one more bow he ties up one more bow he ties up before we get to the finale next week. And it's the third bow, and it's found in Revelation 20 and 11. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, from his presence, earth and sky fled away, and there was no place found for them. You can run, unbeliever, but you can't hide. You're going to have to deal with this God one day or another. It might as well be today with this preacher screaming at you than it had to be to, to, to try to, uh, uh, to, to, to flee away from him. You can, you can leave church early. You can quit church. But on that day, you won't be able to flee. You won't be able to go to the bathroom when your heart's pounding. You won't be able to go ahead and act like you've got to get out of the doors quick. When that conviction comes on you, you're going to know it. Your heart's going to pound out of your chest far worse than it would into a, a convicting sermon. And so, so it says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who is seated, on it from the, his presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. In other words, the third bow that he's got to tie up is God is coming to judge, and this is a judgment without escape. This is a judgment where you, you will not, this is the final judgment, and it's where God is finally coming to judge the earth. He's finally coming. All of us who, who have been screaming, God, when are you going to avenge? God, when are you going to get even with them? God, when are you going to deal with the wickedness? God, when are you going to deal with the sinner. God, when are you going to do this? When are you going to take care of the child molester? When are you going to take care of the guy who murdered? When are you going to take care of Manson? When are you going to take care of Hitler? Why have you not done it? Why have you not done it? God says, because I may be holding off so you can be saved, but I got a news for you. There's coming a day and there will come a final judgment of evil and, and all who have not received Christ will stand before this great white throne judgment. And the Bible says here, he talks about it in Daniel 7. He talk, uh, uh, listen to what he says. He, he, he says there'll be nobody to hide behind. You ain't going to hide behind mom and daddy. All you teenagers, mamas and daddies, it's time to, it's time to 
kicked some kids out of the nest. We've got grown people now that can't even walk up to a counter and order their food. We're so fragile. We, 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 we've got to teach our kids to get out and work in this nation. We've got to teach our kids to go through hard and difficult things because they're not going to slow down. They're going to continue to come. And they're actually used to help us grow. They're actually used to help us be conformed more into the likeness of Jesus Christ. I'm not saying be mean. I'm not saying don't be there to support them. But I'm saying it's time we've got to let. We can't keep trying to create an environment where we never let anything bad happen to anybody. Because one day we're going to stand before God. And listen to what he says. As I looked, thrones were placed. And the Ancient of Days took his seat. Listen to why they're trying to flee away. His clothing was white as snow. And his hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was of fiery flames. And it's, I'd be trying to flee too. And its wheels were burning fire. And a stream of fire issued and came from before him. And th- a thousand thousand served him. And ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. In the court sat in judgment. And the books were open. All rise. The honorable... Ancient of days is here. Court is now in session. And books were open. Verse 12, and I saw the dead, great and small. That means people from every walk of life. It means all your money that could pay you to get out of justice here from some shyster judge, it ain't going to work there. That means all the sob stories of our poverty and all that, it is not going to work there. I saw the poor. I saw the rich. I saw yellow. I saw red. I saw black. I saw white. All, I, I saw it standing from every walk of life. It didn't matter their socioeconomic conditions. It didn't matter their race. It didn't matter their language. It didn't matter their ethnicity. And the sea gave up the dead that were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in it. And they were judged, each and every one of them. And here's the key to these books. They are judged according to what they had done. Good luck. Then another book, verse 12, was opened, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. All that grace, all that grace, all that calling out from heaven to you, all of, that, all of that calling out in your conscience when you did things that were wrong, that defiled your conscience and you knew that, the, that, that, that God was convicting you of that. You knew even from nature looking at things that what you're doing is not right. And all of a sudden God convicts your conscience and in grace He is calling out to you saying, I'm real, I love you and I'm offering you forgiveness for what you're doing right now. That's why I'm doing this. Why? That's why I'm making you uncomfortable. That's why I'm sending my spirit to call out to you. All that grace that He called out to you through church. Hey, in the Bible Belt, you're without excuse. You may not be in here right now. COVID may have taken you out of church, but you've been in enough church in all your life in the United States of America that you've had God call out to you through a preacher. You've had enough through Billy Graham. You've had enough in this world of sitting in this church and hearing the grace of God call out to you week after week after week after week and say, Come to Him. And he, all who are guilty, He will in no wise come out, cast out. Come to Him and He will give you free water. He will give you free salvation. Come to Him and trade your filthy garments for His righteousness. You've heard His grace just given over and over and over again. And now humanity has had the grace of God calling out through a thousand year reign of Jesus where things are just absolutely phenomenal and where, where you and I... 
who are believers during that day are actually teaching how wonderful He is. And they're coming and streaming there to, the, to Jerusalem and they're worshiping God. And all who won't come, He withholds rain from them. If it's Egypt that doesn't come, there's no rain going to fall on Egypt because they're disobeying God. And all this stream and the horses and the bales and the bridles and everything and the pots and the pans are clinging in that day. Holiness to our God. Holiness to our God. Holiness to our God. Oh, if He can't get you to do it in praise and worship here, He'll get the cows and the donkeys and the horses and the bells to do it. If you got too much stinking religious pride in you, then He'll get somebody else to do it. Amen? Hallelujah. And yet you're going to have rejected all that grace. And now the books are open and you're going to stand there face to face with the living God. And you've got to account for why you rejected it. And the assumption here is everybody fails. Everybody at this throne fails. That all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. And there is none righteous here. No, not one. And they stand in hopes, maybe. I mean, can you see them? They know. And they know their works right there. That they're going to be coming up. Well, I I preached a lot of sermons, man. I I, I did this. And they're sitting there counting up. Maybe maybe this. And they find out that that's not going to hold any weight. That's not going to. Well, I helped that widow that time. Well, I gave him my tithes. I didn't go to church, but I sent my tithe check. And well, I dropped my kids off at church you know and we did all these things that were tallying them up saying what we did and, and trying to find out and I got news for you it will never 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 stand up against the perfection of Jesus Christ over here on this other side and so all of a sudden we're thinking that but then all of a sudden Daniel we see a book of life maybe there's hope maybe there's hope and then it says but your name's got to be written in there And everybody whose name was not written in the Lamb's book of life was also the last bow of evil thrown into the lake of fire. He's had a plan. He said he was going to do and rid the world of evil. And he's done it. And there's really only two groups of people here. there's, There's this group of people that names aren't written in the Lamb's book of life. They fall short and they stand guilty before God. And they enter into the lake of fire, eternal destruction. Or another group that we're going to see next week that have a new heaven and a new earth wherein the righteous dwell. And that's the place you want to be. Let me tackle one last thing about this thing on hell. Daniel did a phenomenal job preaching about hell a couple of weeks ago. Listen to what he says in Revelation 20 and 14. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. I said anyone. I, I said Meredith Joy has to come to know Jesus Christ. Or she awaits this day. It's my job. We come in here and we promise it. Man, we get up here and we boast. I'm about ready to quit doing baby dedications because every time I do a baby dedication, everybody promises to make sure we've been weird failing as a church. Every time we promise that we're going to raise that kid in the fear and admonition of the Lord, we're going to keep him in church and we're all up here. Yep, 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 yep. And the very next week, nobody's here. This is anybody. That means your grandchild. That means your great-grandchildren. That means your grandma. That means, that means your co-worker. That means, that means anyone whose name is not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I'm not saying you got to go to church to have your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. But i got news for you. i got news where I read and where I had my heart changed. When I do come to know God, I do want to meet with God's people. 
I do have a love for the people of God. And if you don't have that, I'd question what's going on in your heart. If you don't want to meet with the people of God, if you don't want to gather with the saints of God, if you don't want to be with the saints of God, why are you all of a sudden going to change one day and want to be in heaven with them? It's not like he's going to wave a magical wand. He's doing things in us now to change us and conform us and transform us into the love of God. Oh, friend, please, let's begin to get, reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's compel the lost to come in. Let's get into a place where we're reminded of the gospel of Jesus Christ, where we're taught these things and reminded of these things, where we hear these things on a weekly basis or time to time. Or if you tune in, thank God, I'm glad you're tuned in today and where you listen to this. But everybody whose name was not found written in the Lamb's Book of Life, they were thrown into the lake of fire. Now, to try to get away from this, and I promise I'm closing. We've created this nifty thing called universalism. And there's a group of people who decided that this just doesn't, I don't like the sound of this. And so they came to create something, and you hear a lot of people talk about this when we talk about hell. Which we don't talk about a lot anymore, if you noticed. Even though the Bible has a lot to say about it. And one of the words we throw around now is universalism. There's been many books written about it. And it's this idea that eventually everybody will come to know Jesus Christ. They might pay a penalty inside the lake of fire for a while. But eventually they're going to acknowledge God is truly the God. But folks, when I read the Bible and when I read this verse of Scripture right here, I can't find it anywhere. Then other men have come up with an idea and said this, and women. It's an idea of annihilationism. And that's an idea of where they say we're going to spend time being punished in this place for a set amount of time. And then we don't exist anymore. How nice. How convenient. Because see... Here's where it's so dangerous. We are made in the image of God. And what it means to be made in the image of God means that you are eternal beings. And for that, that makes it very, very dangerous. Listen to what Revelation 14, 9 says. And another angel, this does not sound like annihilation. I just can't find it. I can't go there. It sounds wonderful. It sounds like rainbows and butterflies and unicorns. And I would love to find a place where it says it, but I cannot find it. Here's what I find when I read Revelation 14, 9. And another angel, a third, followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and its image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he also will drink of the wine of God's wrath poured out full strength into the cup of his anger and he will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of his holy angels and in the presence of the lamb and the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever and they have no rest day or night these worshipers of the beast and its image and whoever receives the mark of his name I don't see anything in other places in Thessalonians and other places the text seems to be clear that those who reject Jesus Christ uh, spend eternity in torment and one of the worst parts about spending eternity in torment I think it's just the fact that you rejected God and that's torment enough to spend eternity knowing that you could have had your sins forgiven and now you're living in guilt and shame and all the horrible things that you've done that you've never received mercy or grace or forgiveness over, all the anger that you've held on and latched on to, that's torment enough of itself. I'm not saying that. I'm saying there's physical thor torment, but I'm just saying you're tormenting yourself by not receiving the free gift of grace of eternal life. And God's basically just giving you what you want. And I know that's kind of heavy. But it ought to make us heavy. And that's why you got a guy with cancer who's got a death sentence. Concerned about his neighbor. He doesn't want to die without his neighbor knowing she knows Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Because there's coming a day, Cindy, where we're, we're, we're finally, finally the ache in our soul over these things is going to be gone. And we're not going to have to worry about that. And it's all going to make sense. All of it's going to come in sight. And all of it's going to make sense. The, all of this wickedness that had to come. All these things that stood against God. How God finally defeated all these things. Cast them into the lake of fire. And we enter into a new heaven and a new earth. And we're going to go, aha, aha, aha. It 
was worth it all. And man, thank you. Go King Jesus. But folks, until then, this kind of presents an ache in my soul. We were watching yesterday all day. We watched two or three. A case for heaven. A case for faith. All these things. And man, there were two people. I never knew the story. There was a guy that was, uh, uh, I think a Tillerson guy that was with Billy Graham. I did not know this. He was supposed to be Billy Graham. He went to Europe with Billy Graham. And this guy was a, was a preacher, man. He was preaching the gospel. He really was probably going to be the one that was going to really come back home and be the Billy Graham. And all of a sudden, this guy started not believing. He let unbelief come into his heart. And we watched him. We watched him. They had this film of him all through the ages where he just could not. He would not let this concept of God and all these things that are going to happen uh, to, to, to this wickedness and evil. He could not could not fathom a God that would allow such things. And he let this unbelief creep into his life. And man, we watched this and I was so sad. Just so sad how he, the man finally died and Lee Strobel sent him a letter right before he died. And wrote the, the, the case for Christ. And I, I just hope the man, but there's no indication that this man, he renounced Christ and everything. And it just was the saddest thing I'd ever seen. We watched another guy that had been from Hawk Nelson, a group that, that was out of Canada that sang a while back uh, when Christian music got popular, uh, uh, contemporary, and this guy came out of a, a, he couldn't believe, and apostasy came into his heart, and man, I told Marcy, I said, I've never, yesterday, I said, I've been so sad, I've been just so sad about this, it's just an ache in my heart, and folks, they're all, this ought to produce in us seeing a hell, seeing a place where people that don't know Christ are going to be thrown into it ought right now to put an ache in us. It ought to cause us when we ride by these houses all around us that we never pay attention to, to all of a sudden say, there's, there's people in those homes made in the image of God. And if they don't have their name recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life, it's trouble. And it ought to matter to us. It ought to matter. It ought. That's why the church preaches the gospel. That's why we take the gospel. That's why it's important that you know the gospel. You know what you're saved from and you know what you're saved to and how you're supposed to live after salvation. You know that now you're saved to live to God and live in a kingdom and begin to take the word of God and evangelize like a minister Jimmy and share it with people that God leads you to in a day and then day out. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's somebody at work. Maybe God calls you to the mission field. Maybe he plants you on a college campus or in a school, but God puts you somewhere and somebody comes across your path and all of a sudden the Spirit leads you to share about the wonderful, glorious news of Jesus Christ so that they don't have to spend eternity here. Because I don't want you to. The church of Jesus Christ does not want you to. And Jesus surely does not want you to. So much so that God, God, hear me, and I close. I know I've talked a long time. God left heaven and became a man to pay your penalty. And if that's offensive to you, it ought to be offensive to you. And he hung on a cross that should be very offensive to you and to your flesh. And it should agitate you and you should have to look at it. And that's why going to a funeral is so vital. And we don't even want to look at that now. We just want to cremate and never go to a funeral and never look in a casket. Because we don't ever want to think about our mortality. Because sin caused that. Sin caused cancer. Sin caused a man to lay in a coffin. And when you look at that coffin and you look at that dead face, you have to stand face to face and say, you know what? One day I will be there. And so you want to know what we do to avoid that? We get all kind of distractions that keep us from having to think about that. I'll never go to a funeral home because I can't take those places. I don't like those places. I don't like to think about that. It makes me nervous. It makes me anxious. Well, good. I can feel the tension now. <laughs> and we don't want to talk about it. 
and we don't want to deal with it. And we want to go to churches where they don't preach on hell and where they don't talk about sin. We don't, we're, we're constantly trying to escape death, which you're not going to unless you go in the rapture. And the way we do it is, get me some more Netflix. Let's go to the football game. Let's do everything to try. Let's have babies. Let's, 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 let's have family reunion. And all those we should do. But all of it's tried to escape from the fact that one day. It's to distract from the fact that one day we're going to stand before an awesome God. So you would be wise to think about it now. Father, we love you. God, a good subject. Millennial. Man, what a time. But we see, God, that also a somber subject that you have to take care of tying up some loose ends, these three last loose ends that have to deal with ridding the world of evil. But God, we're so grateful because if you don't do it, if you don't do this, then we go into eternity forever, God. Either you've got to kill all the sinners or you've got to, or you've got to, you've got to wipe us out and start a new world where there are no sinners or you've got to find a way to save the world. And God, you came up with a glorious plan to save the lost. And Lord, when we were born into this world, we were born lost. But you found us and you called our name, God. And you desire that not one should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That all should find their way back to this God. That He's loving, that He's kind, that He's caring, that He's compassionate, that, he, that, that He's relational. That He's intimate with us, that he, that, he, that, he, that he gave us His Word. He gave us His promises. He gave us His Spirit. He gave us His life. He gave us His power. He gave us His victory. And He made a way of escape from the wrath to come. And He made a city for us. A city whose builder and maker is our God. And He's gone to prepare a place for us. And if He's gone to prepare a place for us, surely He will come again to receive us unto Himself that where He is, there we may be also. And Thomas says, how, 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 how can we know where you are and how can we know that place? And, oh, Thomas, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. Hallelujah.